0: we continue our series Power Walking as we continue looking at uh, the book of Ephesians. And uh, today we're gonna pick up in uh, the scripture where Paul is writing about the family. Uh, last week we talked about husbands and wives, and today we're gonna talk about uh, parents and kids and, and grandparents, as how we influence the next generation. I, I think it is so great that we sing about Jesus' coming. I think, I think in the New Testament, that they woke up every day thinking is today the day, is today the day, is today the day. And we need to gain that urgency inside of our hearts and inside of our minds because the truth is a hundred years from now, the only thing that matters is a person's relationship with God. And so we need to be about kingdom business, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, in our neighborhood, wherever God has planted us. So when we look at these scriptures about how to be a a good parent and and what is the role for kids and teenagers in the home, I I remember a few years ago uh, I was working at a church in Illinois and uh, we were on our staff retreat and uh, we had gone to Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri, right in the middle of the lake and uh, there were about 10 or 12 couples and for lunch we got on a big pontoon boat. And, and we, we floated off, and we big, had lunch at a restaurant right on the water. And it was a beautiful day. Uh, the water was beautiful, and we were enjoying good conversation. We were laughing, and, and we brought the conversation to how can we pray for you. And we went around the table one by one by one and shared prayer requests. Now, we were in the phase of life where we had three little ones in the house, um, babies, diapers, tired, no sleep, Um, You, you, if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And my prayer request was simply, can we get some rest and will this ever end? Uh, That's just the phase of life I was in and my prayer request was not very spiritual. But something happened that day that I remember to this moment. As we went around the table and shared prayer requests, it was the moms and dads that had adult children that had the deepest prayer request, that had the deepest desires and the deepest hurts and the deepest struggles and that stuck in my mind. And what I remember that day is when it relates to parenting, it doesn't get better, it just gets different. But parenting is also a great joy and a great, uh, our children are our, will become our reward as we invest in them. Parents, well, let me say it this way. If you're a child or a teenager in the room, parenting is a lot harder than you think it is. I know some of us make it look really easy, but it's a lot harder than you think it is. Parents, parenting is hard. There are days that you make the right decision and you know you made the right decision and it's like you're doing the moonwalk and life is good. It's like, yeah. And then the next moment happens and you're like, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. We've got three kids, one in college, um, one a sophomore and one a seventh grader. And just the other day, I I looked at one of my, my kids and I said, I don't even know if this is the right decision. But this is what we're gonna, that's parenting. I've had a couple come into my office years ago and they said, why is it when we come to church everybody looks like they've got it together? Why is everybody at church so perfect when it comes to family and parenting? And I was baffled, I had no idea. I said, what, what, what do you mean? And what, this, is, this is what the mom said. She said, I know what happens when we wake up on Sunday morning. How we're trying to wrestle and fight And navigate the family out the door. And we're yelling, get in the car. And we pull into the church and we say, everybody smile. And act like you like each other. And then they walk in and they smile. And they said, when I come to church, everybody's smiling and looks like they have it together. Why does everybody have it together but us? I said, oh. I said, the problem is they're thinking the same about you. Parenting is hard. And so we've got to go to God's word and we've got to invest in the next generation. And so in our verses in Ephesians chapter 6, we read um, what Paul is writing to the church um, in Ephesus and, and how to raise godly parents. That's what we want to talk today is how do we build resilient faith at home. And in the scriptures in Ephesians 6, 1, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, this Greek word here is for parents too. Parents, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. If you're a grandparent here today, I want you to know you have a spiritual influence over your grandchildren. It's not like you raised your kids and they're out and you're done. You still have spiritual influence. So that makes all of us a part of this scripture text this morning. I think we're going to find two things that can help us as we do our best as moms and dads and grandparents to raise up resilient faith in our homes. And I want to give just a little tease. Parents, parents. At the end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that you consider making a commitment that I believe will, will make an impact in your home. And so I'm just tossing that out there uh, as, a little, as a little teaser. Will you pray with me? God, we love you. We thank you so much for your scripture that gives us guidance and instruction on life. Lord, I pray today that your word will speak into our hearts. God, that you will bring encouragement. God, that you will help us see a, a plan and a path in how we can make disciples of the next generation. Let your word speak today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. When Paul's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, uh, when Paul writes this, He knows when this letter is going to be read, that there are going to be children and teenagers in the room. You see, so often we can make children and teenagers feel like they have to wait till they grow up. Or till they graduate high school. Or till they they go off to college. Or till they get married, until they have the kids. To begin to understand the truths of scripture. And, and Paul is writing as if he knows that there are going to be children and teenagers in the room. And so these first three verses are, are talking to children and teenagers. And so this morning, I want, to, I want to preach it like I think Paul wrote it. So if you're a, a child or a teenager, just slip up your hand so I can just kind of get an eye on you, all right? I'm talking with you, okay? We're together on this, okay? Okay? Listen to what Paul says. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Kids, teenagers, let me tell you something. I believe with all of my heart that God has a plan for your life. I believe he has a purpose, and I believe he has a mission. He wants you to engage in the kingdom work and the kingdom activity. And please hear me. I don't think it's when you grow up. I don't think it's just waiting for you one day when you pass a test. I think God is calling you to engage the kingdom now. And one of the things we find in the scripture says, children obey your parents. Y'all you are know, probably kids rolling around like, again? Why is it we struggle with obedience? And you know... Adults, we struggle with obedience too, right? So why is it? It's because we want to choose our way over our parents' way. Or we want to choose our way over God's way. It's all in this decision of I want to be in charge and I want to be boss and I want to have it my way instead of your way, mom. Or dad, I don't think so. We're going to do it my way. Me, mine, and mine. We learned this very early. We learn if, if, if you were to, you can't do this because of security, but if you were to wander down the preschool hall and stick your head and just peek into the two-year-old room, I guarantee you they're having the conversation. That's mine. Mine, 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 right? But that's where we struggle with obedience because we want to choose my way over your way. Over mom's way, over dad's way, and children and teenager, please hear this: When you are fighting with your mom and dad about who's who's going to be responsible and accountable and in charge in the home, when you're saying I'm going to disobey because I'm going to do it my way, you are missing out on God's best for your life. I believe that with all of my heart. You are missing out on God's best. Now, most parents, I'm going to say most, most parents don't wake up and think today, how can I mess my kid's life up by setting all kinds of crazy things? And we don't wake up in the morning and think, what can I make my child do today? We, we don't, our minds don't go that way. We want desperately to see you, children and teenagers, to grow up and love Jesus all of your life. That's what we desperately want. We want to see you serve the kingdom of God forever. And so as we set rules as moms and dads and grandparents, we set those hopefully with scripture in mind and so that you will become responsible adults so that, that you can stand on your own faith so when you get to middle school or high school and someone asks you, well, why do you believe that, that you don't say because my, uh, this is just what I heard, this is just what I heard, but because your parents have taught you and you begin to understand the truth for yourself. You own your faith because God has a significant plan for your life. Just about every time I speak to teenagers, I always will look them in the eyes And I will tell them, God has a plan for your life. God wants to do something significant in your life. The problem is, when we struggle with obeying our parents, we begin to struggle with how do we obey God. The next scripture, it says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life On the earth, he says, Not only are we to obey our parents, we are to honor our parents. Now, there's a difference between obeying and honor. And the difference looks like this your parents ask you to do something, and you go do it, but you do it as you stomp or as you toss your head. You're obeying, but you're not honoring. You see, God wants us to obey and to honor. Our parents. Why? Because God knows one day you're going to grow up. You're going to graduate high school. You're going to go off to college or you're going to go get a job. You're going to move out of your parents' house. And he knows you are going to spend more time outside of your parents' home than inside of your parents' home over the course of your lifetime. Now, moms, don't cry. Okay? Okay? And so if you learn to obey and honor your mom and dad when you're inside the home, then as you get older and get outside of their house, what are you going to do? You're going to obey and honor God. Remember when those Pharisees tried to trick Jesus? They said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said to love God and to love people. You see, you can't love God if you don't honor and obey your parents, So as you are learning in small pieces and steps to honor and obey your parents, what you're learning to do is to honor and obey God. Because God has a big plan for your life. God's plan for your life is not just simply to make it through high school. Although I've walked the halls here and some of our middle school and high school, they think that's the goal. Just get me finished. And it's because you don't understand what God's up to. You're you're buying into something that is far too short of God's plan. And that's why you fight for me, mine, and me, mine, and mine, right? Because we're fighting for something that is much smaller than God has in mind for our life. I almost titled this message, What's Wrong With My Family?, The first point was going to be what's wrong with my kids? And then the second point was going to be what's wrong with my parents. But Monday or Tuesday, I left the office, that's where I was at. And sometime that night, I believe God just prompted in my mind, in my heart, that that's not what this message is about. This message isn't about how do we make our kids good. Boys and girls, teenagers, this message is about how do we fall in love with Jesus and serve him all of our life? So kids, teenagers, when you find yourself at war with your parents, just because you don't think they know what they're doing, trust me, trust them, that they want to see God's best for your life. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will just prick you and prompt you. And you will recognize that you need to submit and honor and obey your parents. It says that it may go well with you and you may enjoy a long life. Um, What this means is that as you obey and honor your parents, and uh, that probably means you're obeying and honoring God um, that the, the things in your life will orchestrate themselves in a way that your life will uh, be put together, that will kind of come together. This will not mean, um, and we don't have a lot of teenagers in the room, but this will not mean that your boyfriend will never be- break up with you if you obey your parents. Uh, this won't mean that you'll get an A on the test that you don't study for. What this means is your life will go down the path like it should that makes sense? sitting like a get out of jail free card. Now parents. All right kids, teenagers, I'm gonna to talk to your moms and dads for a few minutes so you can go If you're a parent in the room, raise your hand. All right, that's a lot of us. Can I remind you there are no perfect parents. If you look around the room and think they're perfect, they're not, there are no perfect families. That's not what you're up against. That's not the standard you're trying to attain. But let me tell you, raising faith in parenting is more important than you think. Raising faith in parenting is more important than you think. So, Um, I read a, a book by a gentleman by the name of Tim Elmore. He's a sociologist. He does a lot of study on the next generation. And one of the things he has written and he has said that one of the challenges in parenting is as moms and dads, we are the first generation of parents that are raising kids and we have no idea what it's like to grow up in the culture we live in. What I mean by that is when I was a kid growing up, um, and my parents were raising me, and I, I'm, I'm blessed, I had wonderful parents, um, but the world that I was raised in, in the 80s, was not much different than the world my parents grew up in. It was different, but it wasn't that different. The world now is completely different than when we grew up, and the reason being is um, this little thing, right? Um, Teenagers, elementary school kids are walking around with these in their pockets. The internet changed everything. I've been told, I don't know if it's true, but there's more technology in this right here than we had when we, when we put a man on the moon. So these things are powerful and I don't know what it's like for my son to walk around with one of these in his pocket. The temptations the, the, the things that come with that. I don't know what it's like as a kid to, to grow up and have to navigate social media. You know, used to when, when we weren't invited to the party on the weekend, we didn't know about it till Monday. Now we sit at home on Friday night and we see the pictures and we're sitting at home, teenagers sitting at home in a quiet room thinking, why didn't I get invited? That's why we're one of the most anxious generations and the most lonely Even though we're the most connected. And parents, that's what we're trying to navigate. So, what is it that scripture says? Paul writes in verse four he says, Fathers, parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. We have to help our kids follow the rules. Now, you probably read that and you go, well, I don't exasperate my kids. And your, your spouse, oh, yes, you do, all the time. What I think this means is we got to remember our goal. we got to remember our role in parenting. It's to grow up our kids in faith, not to, to put rule after rule after rule on them. So we get them to behave. The problem is, many of us as parents, that's our goal. We want our kids to obey, to look right, talk right, and act right. And that's the goal of parenting. We think that is why God put us in their life. So they look right, talk right, act right. So they don't embarrass us. And we just get them through. Or some parents think the role of parenting is to make their kids happy. And neither one of those are the roles of a parent. That's not what the is talking about. He says, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and in instruction of the Lord. You are not going to accidentally, unintentionally, train your kids up in the ways of the Lord. It rarely happens You don't drift to the place you want to end up. Does that make sense? You're not going to accidentally train your children up in the ways of the Lord. We have to be intentional. We have to have a plan. We have to have a purpose. We have to understand. That's why God has us here. You see, our kids are growing up not only in a culture that we didn't know anything about, the culture is changing and shifting so fast. We have to change our goal as parents. As grandparents, we have to change the goal. Our goal is not to to get them to act right, look right, and talk right. Our goal is to help them honor God no matter what and to pursue his purposes. If you think about in the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel was, was taken into exile and he was taken to Babylon. He and his friends, they were living inside the king's uh, quarters, and uh, they completely were trying to brainwash these Hebrew young men. Now, these were sharp young men. They looked good, they were smart. These were guys who were, who were made and fit to be leaders. They gave them a new education, they gave them a new name so they would have a new identity. They changed everything about him. They gave him a new diet. And Daniel went through all of that. But when it came to eating food that was defiled or that had been presented to idol before, do you remember what Daniel said? He stood up and said, I cannot defile myself. Isn't that what we want? When our kids are no longer in our house, Daniel wasn't at home with mom and dad and looking out of the corner of his eye, like, what's the right answer? Daniel was miles and miles and miles away and his parents will never find out. Matter of fact, his parents may never see Daniel again. They raised Daniel up in a way when, before the king, he was presented this food and he said, I cannot defile myself. Isn't that what we want our kids to do? To go off to college and on their own stand up and say, no, I'm going to honor and obey God. That's, that's my calling. That's my purpose. You see, if we just simply want our kids to obey, then when they get out of our presence, who are they obeying? And so moms and dads, I want to, to, to move your gaze up a little bit and set it a little bit higher and say, will you invest in your kids So that they know that the most important thing is for you to honor and obey God. So that they will do that all the days of their life. Raising faith in your kids is more important than you think. Now before you think, I just said teaching your kids to obey isn't important. Let me stop. Obedience is important. Kids, I didn't say that. Obedience is important. Following rules is important. That's where we learn discipline. That's how we learn to become the person that God wants us to be. But training them in the instruction of the Lord is much more important. And parents, if we will just adjust our gaze and set our course so that we can invest in our kids, so that they will follow Jesus. I believe you put your kids in a position that when they leave your house, they will honor God and they will obey God. So the question is, what's the solution? Obey more, no. What's the solution? One. We need to love Jesus more. Kids and teenagers, you need to love Jesus more. More than what? More than every, anything and everything. More than your hobbies. More than your likes and your dislikes. Parents, the same for us. Grandparents, the same for us. We need to love Jesus more. We need to love him more than our hobbies. We need to love him more than our habits and our routines and our rituals. We need to love Jesus more than sports. Whether it's watching our kids play, I'm one of the biggest sports dads. There is, just ask me, I'll tell you. But I've got to love Jesus more than that. Because if I don't, my kids will know it. Your kids know what you love. So we need to love Jesus more. I've got a daughter in college. And, uh, you know, she's, she comes home in the summers and um, she'll probably never live under our roof again. That, that's the way life works. And this is my prayer for her. I text her. Um, and I'll tell her I'm praying for you. And this is what I pray. Allie, I pray that you love Jesus more because she doesn't obey everything I said. She doesn't even remember a lot of things I said anymore. But if she'll love Jesus more, then I can trust him with the details. So we've got to love Jesus more. The second thing we need to do is we need to invest in the next generation. One of the things I love as a church is we invest heavily in the next generation. Um, Financial resources, space resources, people resources, we invest in the next generation. I love our senior adults. Our senior adults exchange their preferences for the next generation Some of them have grandkids that are sitting in the room or will be sitting in the room in in, in the next hour. Some of them have grandkids that are another part of the country. And here's what I hope you in the back of your mind is uh, I sacrifice my preferences now because I hope there's a church where my grandkids live that will do anything it takes to get them to hear the gospel. We have to invest in the next generation. I believe with all of my heart that the best leaders in our church need to be working with preschoolers, children, and students. Let me say that again. The best leaders in our church need to be investing in preschool children and students because that's where we train up the next generation. That's that's where we begin to help preschoolers understand what it means to be in God's house, and this is a great place to be. And when they see a smiling face at church that, that this is a place where I belong, that I feel welcome. It's not just rocking babies and changing diapers. You're investing in the next generation. For children and teenagers, well, maybe not middle school. No, I'm, I'm kidding. In the next generation. And so some of you may need to pray about finding a place to engage in the next generation. The last thing... What's the solution? As families, as parents, we need to commit to having a family discipleship group in our home each week. Now, let me tell you what I mean. This is not where you invite other people into your home for a discipleship group. What this means is you commit to one time during the week where you stop everything and everybody in the house has to be present and you stop and, 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 and age appropriate, preschool, child, teenager, you stop and say together We're gonna talk about a Bible verse. We're gonna memorize a Bible verse. We're gonna pray for one another. You can look at your child and say, how can I pray for you this week? And they're probably not gonna turn and ask you immediately, but you can say, here's how you can pray for me this week. Because a lot of times, kids don't think we have problems. Kids don't think we have anything we need to pray about. Now, I'm not saying open up your diary. But you can say, hey, I'm having a hard time at work. Will you pray for me? What you're doing is you're teaching them and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so what I'm asking is that families of Northside say, yes, we will commit to having a weekly discipleship group in your home. I get that finding a time is hard. We're not gonna be able to have just one time like all every, every Friday night. Um, our schedules are crazy. But we can find a time every week and I can sit down at the beginning of week on Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening and say, all right, this week we're gonna have Tuesday night. You know what I mean? So my question is, will you commit to having a family discipleship time in your home with your kids? And if you will, I'm gonna put a number on the screen. If you'll text count us in right now, pull out your phone if you want. Text count us in we will send you resources so that you can have these discipleship conversations at home. One of the things I believe is that under this time of this pandemic, the next generation matters more now than before. One of the reasons why I think that is because we are just now today opening up new life group, adult life groups. Um, three or four weeks ago, we opened up for elementary. That meant we went months without having any children's life groups. That means if if you weren't having spiritual conversations with your kids at home, then nobody was. Does that make sense? That's why this matters now more than before. And I'm just telling you, when your kids grow up and leave your house, they're not gonna remember a lot of things that you said during a lecture Matter of fact, my kids, like, oh, are we having this lecture again? Some of them they can quote. But they will remember if you showed up every week to open your Bible and to pray with them. They will remember that. And if you want to think about the generation after that, do you know what they will then do? For your grandkids? they'll be more likely to have the same spiritual conversation in their home. That's how we affect generations. And so I'm going to pray. If you're not ready to commit, write the number down and think about it. Pray about it. Talk to your spouse. We've got to invest in our kids. Let's pray. God, thanks for the day. Thank you for your word and your scripture. God, I pray that we will, with all of our hearts, do our very best as parents not to exasperate them, uh, but to encourage them in the ways of the Lord, that we won't just leave it to chance that they'll fall in love with Jesus, but we'll commit to having conversations every week in our homes so that our students will grow up and love you, and most importantly, will obey and honor you all the days of their life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.